0: Everybody, I'm Roxy, and I'm Priska, and we are
1: the, the two horny ghosts!
2: Ghosts! <laughs> Hit it, BB. We're just two horny goats climbing the mountain of life, eating Asian American stereotypes
1: for breakfast.
2: Welcome everybody, season two, episode 11, where we will be discussing a topic that I've been wanting to talk about for such a long time, queerness.
0: Queerness. So how do you feel about this topic, Prisca? You know, to be totally honest, it makes me a little nervous because it's not something that I speak about publicly very often. Right. You know, I talk to my queer friends. I am a queer ally. I am yes. huge support, and I think even being your friend, it's taught me to explore, ask of myself um, that fall kind of in that spectrum. I know.
2: And it's been a beautiful unfolding, I think, to live in this generation as queerness and our LGBTQ sort of community continues to expand in dialogue and in space. Yes.
0: Even if personally I bumble through this conversation, I feel like that's important because It doesn't have to be perfect yet. And I honestly feel really vulnerable because I don't. I'm excited.
2: (laughs) Yes. And I have so many questions for you. Oh my
0: gosh. Same, same. And I'm excited to learn from you and learn from kind of our listeners and hear more of your stories out there because I just want to learn how to be a better ally, learn how to be a better friend, and learn how to not be afraid to explore queerness within myself. Hell yeah.
2: And also just to let everybody know, the first part of our um, episode today, we are going to be talking about the topic, but also <laughs> very excited to present a portion of our interview with Genevieve Ting oh my from God. our FAM app Oh
0: my panel. God. Yes. Um, Thank you to the fam app. They're under great co and um, it's a new app, kind of a clubhouse alternative. That's all about inclusivity. And so they did ask two horny goats to um, host three conversations. We had a conversation with Kelly who yes, (laughs) no big deal. Uh, No big deal. Also no big deal. Hyperflex here and Jennifer Ting. And I have to tell you all like, I've never seen Roxy <laughs> full on crushing on somebody. What
2: was that like for you, Rox? Uh, well, I don't think it was any secret to show how obsessed I was about Genevieve. Yes. Because I think my mouth was open the whole time. You
0: literally, fro- like we kind of had a beat sheet and we highlighted sections where yeah. Roxy was supposed to ask things and highlighted things <laughs> where I was going to ask things. And like suddenly <laughs> Roxy froze and I thought her screen had frozen, but she was just like goo goo ga ga over Genevieve. And I get it. I mean, they're really hot. (laughs) I mean, I think what Genevieve did was, you
2: know, really expand upon queerness, the trans community, the trans experience. And they are a spoken word artist and a poet. And it's just being able to see this landscape yeah. of queerness through their eyes and how they define it in language and in their artistry and encapsulating their ancestors like there's so Ugh. many things obviously we're gonna let the interview speak for itself but I was so moved
1: yeah. yeah And and
2: I think it's rare for me to feel moved in that way because you and I do so much work collectively and separately yeah. to sort of like dig into our consciousness be more self-aware be better people and gain more understanding but what Genevieve did was you know, and I've seen them perform, Mm
1: -hmm, you know,
2: mm -hmm. and I was always moved by their poetry, but even more so as a person and as their perspective Mm -hmm. and like gaining insight in a way that blew my mind again and again. And it's rare for me to feel that.
0: Did you see them perform at the rally? Yes. Yes. And, it was just, cause I've seen Genevieve perform at Tuesday Night Cafe and there was recently uh, anti-Asian hate rally in Little Tokyo. Right. And Roxy came and it was awesome. I mean, not awesome for the reason, but awesome to be together as a community. And I think when Genevieve, they performed and it was just the, it, they had the entire audience just in the palm of their hands.
2: I mean, I wish we could share like a, like a, probably a section of this poem that they did. Yeah. Because it talks about like, being born in that trans body and, like, honoring, you know, the ancestors and, like, the lineage that we come from. And it's so powerful. It just, like, yeah. seeps into your bones and, like, into your heart.
0: Oh, my goodness. Right? It makes Absolutely. you think
2: about the people who came before you and, yeah. like, what you have to do now in order to, like, preserve the heritage and fight for our lineage you know i think it's so amazing
0: and so genevieve is not much younger than us like i think they're maybe four years younger than us like not a ton you know like they're just fucking cool (laughs) they are just so the next generation even though we're we're not far in age it's the mindset it's the perspective it really is the next generation and so i think the more open we are to like learning from them the more enriched our experience is going to be too A hundred percent.
2: But just to do a little bit of a catch up before we go into the topic. How are you?
0: I'm doing good. So I've been hanging out with Yaya (laughs) for the past week. I heard you got up to some fun stuff in Joshua Tree. Tell me.
2: I did. This is the first reunion I've had with two of my best friends, Leah Takimoto and Rochelle Flauta. The best people ever. The best people ever. And um, we usually do like an annual shroom trip. Yes! <laughs> and uh, you know, this for us is a very spiritual, but also a very grounding experience for yeah. us. And so we went up to Joshua Tree. We went all out because oh. I just get, got back from Toronto. Ooh. I needed to shell out some money because yes. I need to heal from a, almost a year of nonstop working. Oh. Oh my god! And then so we got this like really nice Airbnb that had a hot tub underneath the moon and the stars. Oof. I mean, it's sort of very designery, you know. It had an AC, TV, it had everything we needed, and it was just so comfortable, so but visually still aesthetic, wildernessy. Oh yeah, we had it's we had literally tree. like the hot tub was in the rock. <gasps> what? We actually went to Joshua Tree and we drove around, and then we were not impressed because <gasps> we actually had those rocks at our location. Oh, so we went to a super secret.
0: Wow area amazing and i love that like anytime you go to an airbnb and it's like be careful we have a septic tank i'm like wow we're in the wilderness we're so far
2: i'm kind of bougie yeah. like i need to have a luxury you know experience a A down comforter and i need the
0: ac in the desert thank you i need to be i need it to be 63 degrees in the room with a down blankie exactly and then i'm toasty (laughs) underneath but can stick a foot out to be cool i'm like
2: literally the worst person (laughs) there is and i also need like 80 acres of just free range desert for me to explore in have to when i'm tripping balls
0: yeah i mean better (laughs) if there's ostriches but i mean not necessary we made a lot
2: of friends with quails
0: did you take a chocolate did you take Yeah, we took chocolates.
2: Um, It was extremely, I mean, the clouds were like, anyways, I don't want to sound (laughs) like too crazy, but I think it was just really nice to reconnect. And usually when I shroomed before the pandemic, it was always a spiritual experience. I'm talking to my soul. I'm like acknowledging what makes me happy, what doesn't. But this time it was really just sensory. Like Mm. I feel like I did so much fucking digging this past year that This trip was just like, just enjoy yourself. Enjoy nature. Enjoy this tree, right? Enjoy the clouds doing a cloud show for you with background music happening. Enjoy eating a strawberry and relishing in her seeds and seeing Mm. how juicy she is and, you know, seeing all of that. And, you know, when I shroom, I see everything in hyper HD. So it's like, I think you just notice all the details of everything you glaze over in your day-to-day life
0: yeah and then you have no interest in social media or your phone or anything you just want to be with nature i literally hate everything else yes (laughs) and isn't that funny because i think when we are like sober or whatever it is we tend to be attached to our phones in like a very unhealthy way or yeah. just to technology. Right. But the second kind of you're in an altered state, that's almost the last thing that you want. Because
2: you realize that nothing matters. Nothing
0: matters. Nothing
2: matters.
1: Nothing yeah. matters. But I had
2: a great time. I'm happy to be back in LA. I know I keep saying this, but L.A. is my long-term love, yes. B.B. Like, I could go somewhere else for a little bit, but what keeps me here is my community, my people, oh. her messy aspects, her beautiful <laughs> aspects. Her, all the strip malls. All the strip malls. Like, mm. you know, like, in the desert, the ocean, the mountains, the earthquakes, give it to me. I yes. love all of it. The wildfires, give it to me. I know. You it know? is
0: grounding. It's grounding to be where you're from. And I know you mm. weren't, like, born here, but right. you you were raised here. You came of age here. You've yeah. been here your adult life, yeah. you know? and for my myself as well like I am literally wrought from this ground you know and so I I hear you coming back here has a very it helps like honestly it's like weird but knowing the ocean is right there is a very grounding aspect to me
2: totally because
0: like living in Ashland the ocean was like three four hours away Mm. and that was like whoa (laughs) like what the fuck I can't even imagine being fully landlocked but like as of right now I'm like okay she's there I always know where I'm at the mountains are to my north oceans to my left you know anything that's not like that would make you feel a disconnect yeah like
2: even in Taiwan the oceans all around us yes right like whoa we are ocean people <laughs> yeah 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 that is totally. we are <laughs> wait okay so babe how was your mother's day
0: okay so I know for goatees listening to this it's it's been a while since mother's day oh, but for sure honey I am still processing <laughs> yeah um but yeah mother's day like more and more and I think this year just everyone being kind of stuck in isolation it's become more of a social media holiday than ever yeah and both perspectives are screaming it's like not just mothers deserve honor or like there are different types of mothers not just the ones who birthed you or my birth mother means nothing to me so this day means nothing to me you know like a triggering
2: day it's a a triggering day yeah
0: yeah and I hear that and at the same time I have a mother and I she's alive and I want to honor her so it already comes with so many of those trigger points. And also then I have friends who are now having kids that are experiencing their first Mother's Day, which doesn't necessarily affect me directly, but it, you know, whatever biological pressure that I might feel gets kind of triggered as well. So it's like a multi-layered day. One of my closest friends, she lost her mother about a year and a half ago. And I think this this was her second Mother's Day without her mother. And she was just on my heart and mind constantly the day before the day of and you know i i shot her a text we had a phone conversation and i was just um very keenly aware of what she's been going through and she's just so honest with her grief and so clear with me about what she misses and what she doesn't even the things she doesn't miss she wishes she could have kind of thing very 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 i wouldn't even say bittersweet just grief laden and so I kind of went into Mother's Day and I hope this doesn't make me selfish, but thinking about my mom and wondering about how many years we might have left, you know,
2: Yeah.
0: I just don't know. Obviously, like we've talked about, like a lot of my aunts, like they, one of my aunts, she got re-diagnosed with cancer and within three months she was gone. So I think I have a little bit of that trauma of like, at any moment I could get the call that we only have. 12 weeks left with mom. And so I I went into Mother's Day just like, I want to appreciate her. I want to do something special. I want to savor every moment because I know that future me will look back upon this time and be like, you bitch, you didn't appreciate her more, you know, or just wanting to relive it. And all of that is like nice and and great. And I'm glad I had some sort of perspective on it and whatnot. But then you get in a room with your mom and (laughs) And after about five minutes, all that just kind of goes away. <laughs> you know, like
2: all of your like intention setting, yeah. all of your like, it's going to change
0: now. Yeah. You know,
2: and then you've been reading Crying in Mart." Oh, you know what yes. I mean? And so you're just like, I need to appreciate everything that I have right now, exactly, right? Exactly.
0: Exactly. I was just like keenly aware of like how much I should be appreciating. But then at the same time, it's still our dynamic. Yeah. And I don't really have anything good to say about it other than like, <laughs> if you're going through it, like I'm with you. Like our relationships with our mothers like are never perfect. They're super you know? complex. Yeah. And I did a talk with Great Co with Leanne um, about the mother wound. And I was kind of like going into it. I'm like, I'm fine. And then at the end of that conversation, every one of us was like, like, you know, this is so heavy. Anyway, we go into Mother's Day. And you know, my dad's a pastor, my mom's a pastor's wife slash translator slash like youth minister they've devoted their entire lives to church Mm -hmm. and I'm a pastor's kid. And while I really appreciate my parents and I think they are unconventional in certain ways as pastors, it really, really dictated my childhood. And I think I married a pastor's kid literally for that very reason, because we can relate to each other on a way um, that I have trouble relaying to people. And I have really annoying habits of putting other people before my husband and he is the first to call me out, but the first to like understand and, th- and vice versa. So, you know, I think that it's a trigger point for both of us. And so, you know, it's Mother's Day and they had just gone back to church in physical, physical church. And so they were at church in the morning. And then, you know, Abe and I were like cleaning the house. We're preparing for them to come. It's kind of the first time my dad has come over to our house. Like we're, we're pretty excited. It's post COVID. We're vaccinated, you know? And then I get a text right after their church meeting and my mom's basically like, Oh, sorry. We actually have a Zoom meeting, a church Zoom meeting at 7 PM. We'll come over like five thirty, 30 and then we have to just leave early and I was like I know it like doesn't sound that bad just saying it but I think it just re-triggered this thing from childhood of like always coming second yeah. and I was like livid on the one hand, I was like, literally, they're having this communion meeting at 7 p.m. because they can't take their masks off in church. It's when you take the wine and the bread, like the you yeah, you know. And so they're doing it over Zoom, which for me is just like, okay, it's just like I don't want to say anything too negative about it, but it's just so frustrating because I think the way that my parents paint it is that anything that they do for God is somehow inevitable. So there's no push or pull with it. It's like this is the way God ordained it. It's inevitable. So how how am I human daughter? ever gonna go up against that you know and then so basically like we have this argument where I was like yo this is really hurtful like this is really hurtful because we've planned this entire night for you and now it's truncated and gonna be rushed and I'm feeling like not appreciated you know and yeah I'm your daughter and I'm so used to bowing down to whatever schedule you have for church, you yeah. know? Um, and so it wasn't just this one event, but it was just triggering a multitude of various situations. And I think it only made it worse because my dad was like, no, 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 no. There's no reason to be hurt. Because I was like, I'm really hurt. No reason to be hurt. No hurt. Your mom and I made this decision to put God first way before you were ever born. This has nothing to do with you. Yeah, but, it- <laughs> but here you are communicating to him that you are hurt. Yes. He cannot
2: tell you how to feel exactly and you're communicating what it is that you're feeling and they have to be held accountable for for their actions you know and it's like using that religion thing to sort of deflect any accountability on how it's making you feel
0: exactly exactly and it was just so it was so reminiscent of my childhood and now I think that they're older too they're like no we spent so much time with y'all we spent so much time with the three of you so there's no hurt you guys were never abandoned It's like we weren't ever supposed to say anything. We were always supposed to be cool with it. It was always like copacetic. because
2: you're their children. I know. I know. You're not allowed to really talk about your boundaries. Yeah. And I'm so proud that you did that because that must have been fucking hard. It was
0: really hard. And And uncomfortable. It was very uncomfortable. And I did feel like I, I still kind of, I don't know if I was a dick. You know what I mean? I don't know. But at the end of it, I really appreciated my mom kind of, coming to an understanding because at the end of the day, I was like, okay, mom, look, I respect the life that you guys live. And I grew up with that perspective. Right. And I understand that the life you guys have chosen comes with a list of priorities. Right. But we're all adults here and we all have things that we need to be up to. What happened Like, I don't share your priority system, but I respect you. And I was like, my goal is to maximize my time with you. It's Mother's Day, okay? 100%. And so like, essentially what that means is you double booked yourself and you chose church. That's how we have to kind of look at it, right? It was the same time slot. We had them from 5.30 to nine-ish, you know, that was kind of the window of like a family hang. And you were double booked on accident, you forgot. But because you were double booked, you're an adult, you make a choice. And when you choose, there are consequences to your choice and people can be affected and hurt by your choice. Being a religious event does not absolve you from it hurting people around you. And I'm very, very respectful of the sacred. I'm very, very cognizant of the importance of it. But I don't appreciate when an arbitrary kind of meeting becomes inevitable because some deity has somehow ordained it, even though I know it was just a meeting they had with people, flesh and blood that decided poorly a time slot. And for, and everyone literally forgot that it was mother's day. So I'm like, where do we want to draw the line here? Sorry, I'm getting worked up clearly, <laughs> but like, where do we want to drive draw, draw the line here? Because like if the Bible says, honor your father and your mother. well, I know Mother's Day is a is a, a fake event created by greeting cards, but nonetheless, it's something that we uphold in this country and celebrate in this country. So we're like, where are we drawing the line here? Where does obedience actually fall? And these are the questions that I constantly wrestle with. And it was just it was a frustrating situation. So in the end, sorry to wrap it up. You know, I kind of said Let's not do it at my place this time, even though Abe and I had prepped stuff. I was like, you guys can come next week when my sister's in town. And we did something at their place and it ended up being fine. And I, I'm glad I didn't like lose my, I didn't like say anything I regretted. I'll say that, you know? Uh, Yeah.
2: I feel your pain when you just told me that. I mean, you told me before we started recording, (laughs) but again, like just hearing it in more detail and how it still affects you now weeks afterwards. Yeah. And when we were growing up, we were people pleasers because we had emotionally neglectful parents.
0: Yeah. Whether they wanted to or not, you know, Totally, Mm -hmm.
2: but but in doing so it made us strive for their attention, for their blessing, for their recognition. And I think like, as we get older and we're having the conversations about like mother wounds or reading books, like crying in H Mart and we want to honor them as, and we know that like, there's like a, time limit that we have. And it's like, Sure, you took your oath with God and maybe to each other for this, but Mm -hmm. I didn't. Yeah. You know, and I am your child. I came from you. Yeah. I also require your love and your attention.
0: Absolutely. And I I love my mom. Yeah. You know, and I think that's where this is coming from. Like you're saying, we were talking about crying in H-Mart and how that's the closest description to kind of an Asian mother daughter, Asian American mother daughter experience. Yeah. And I resonated with it so much because just because you have frustrations with your mom and she can fucking piss you off sometimes, it doesn't take away from feeling duty-bound to her. It doesn't take away from loving and wanting the best for her. Like I know that you and I would want nothing more than to pamper the fuck out of our moms, you know, even though like when they see us, they'll probably be like, oh, loose thread, huh? So you poor? Like, yeah, know? it's like, like what are you what? doing
2: wearing that jacket? I know. It's like, oh, is that from like, are you, is it a poor person's or a homeless person's jacket? <laughs> it's
0: always poor. Person?
2: It's always it's always like, oh, it's it's torn. It's it's like you know, ugly, and it's like you shouldn't wear that, or else you will be poor.
0: Yes, and there's nothing worse than like when you think you look really beautiful, and your mom comes up and tries to like wipe something off your face, and you're like, God damn it! I know, <laughs> and it's
2: kind of crazy because it's like. Preska and I are deliberating because yes. we know that our dad's episode was like a mega hit.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and we're still deliberating. Okay. Your mom, though, like is an influencer because we had, I think, two almost 200 listeners from Taiwan. Yeah. Listen to that episode. So, you know, she was out there being like, my boo is on this podcast. You ba- You best listen. You know what I'm saying? But yes, we are deliberating whether or not <laughs> to interview our moms.
2: So if you think that we should...
0: Email us. Hello, two horny goats. goats. Yeah, that's a big one, and it's funny because ever since the dads episode, so you all know when we started the podcast, my mom was like, "What's horny?" and I was like, "Ah, "Horns, goats," you know. And she was like, "Don't embarrass the family." And she's like, "I want nothing to do with this." And then she listened to the dads episode, and ever since. She's been like giving me interviews every time I see her. Really? Yeah. She's basically like, so when I was young, <laughs> we used to do this and not this. And I'm like, oh,
2: so she's basically like, where did you get your chops from? It's clearly Ex- from me. That's and literally- I'm also auditioning to be on your podcast. So even though she will never admit that never. let's, let's she's be ready. Yeah. She's ready for she, it. Michelle
0: Liang is, they're both ready. They're
2: both ready. Yeah. That was so awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that Prisca. Cause I know that that's hard, but also like when you ring with so much positivity and truth, (laughs) I know that so many of you all that are listening resonate with it. Yeah. So it's part of the work that we do. Thanks
0: for listening.
2: Just to sort of tie this back in with our topic of the day. What I find really enlightening about Genevieve's interview later on is and also to discuss squareness is that it's an ever expanding form and conversation in our daily life nowadays mm. like it is everywhere yeah also pride month is coming up in it's a few coming, days yeah
0: right it's more nuanced than ever yeah and i've never felt more happy and proud but less equipped to talk about it because i feel like it is evolving at a rate that i uh, you know am excited to continue learning about
2: i also think that there's a freedom in it now yeah. where people could get to actually self-identify yes however the fuck they want to
0: it's like being able to like finally like go to chipotle and choose exactly what you want <laughs> instead of just getting like a like a like a frozen meal you yes. know what i mean yes, like yes, that's yes, like yes. just given to you and that's all you get but now you get to go and like customize like your experience let's say oh Yogurt land. Much
1: better. Oh, yogurt Fuck lands are chipotle.
0: really good in that.
2: But I also do love chipotle. <laughs> I do love chipotle. And now yeah. they have their new quesadillas, which is And the fucking cauliflower fire. rice
0: that they sell, they, you have to like spend like an extra two bucks on. The cauliflower rice is really good. That's fucking slamming. It's <laughs> okay, keto. Yeah. But it's like being able to go to Yogurtland and choose exactly what you want to represent who you feel you are. And it can always change. Every time I go to Yogurtland, my order changes
2: there you go and that is the perfect analogy for how we're going to be discussing queerness today so
0: beautiful but let's talk
2: about like sexual identity and let's just talk about our sexual preferences let's just talk about how we deal with queerness within ourselves yeah and as a general topic in the ever-changing language yes in our world
0: i just want to say like you know for me growing up in the church there always was an inherent fear of exploring gray areas right yeah everything was always black and white and yeah. I am so much more open to it. Now I am in a heterosexual marriage, like I'm married to a man. And I don't think that can, that takes away from an exploration of, you know, who I am and how infinite we all can be. A hundred percent.
2: Because if there's anything that we sort of, I guess, empower everybody to do yeah, is that you could be anything you want yeah, and you have permission to change whenever
0: you want to. Mm. You really do. So Rox, can I ask you, huh. what was the first time you questioned questioned your heterosexuality?
2: Yeah. I mean, I grew up in Diamond Bar, you know, for my... The
0: land of plazas. <laughs> the land of pretty plazas. Pretty much where I live now.
2: <laughs> so much plazas. So much So much convenience. It's so much MOBA.
0: Always parking. I
2: fucking love it. You can park you anywhere. You can park anywhere. The freedom of parking. Anyways, yeah. uh, that's for another day. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I, you know, I never knew about... I mean, there was discussion of, like, gay and lesbians, but they didn't really appear anywhere in our life, right? Yeah,
0: let's set the scene. Like, Will and Grace was, like, the only representation of a gay – of two gay, like, men.
2: Yeah, and that's not, yeah. like, our usual, like, sitcom repertoire no. either at, at dinner. like, no. And then we – living in Diamond Bar is a bunch of Asian-American families yeah. and nuclear families. Like, everybody's just, like, in the same sort of up and up, yes. right? And so – trailing off of our last conversation Mm -hmm. on masturbation and pornography. Mm -hmm. I realized, and I mentioned this in an episode prior that, what titillated me no pun intended titillated
0: that's a fun word to (laughs) titillate
2: me the most when i you know managed to sneak upon watching porn was i just love women's breasts interesting and that was the most lady puddling like sort of effect is when the breasts are revealed to (gasps) me the dick didn't turn me on seeing the pussy was all right but it's like (laughs) something about the breasts and how
0: supple they
2: were they're just gorgeous and i like want to touch it i want to kiss it i want to do all these things and i'm like holy shit there's something wrong with me Ah! i'm like there is definitely something wrong wow because why am i looking forward to the woman unveiling herself rather than the man did you try to suppress that of course and Mm. i was like there's something wrong um that's not i shouldn't be attracted to that Mm. i shouldn't be attracted to a woman's body um and so i sort of just like kept it quiet even throughout college you know like i didn't really and I'm not somebody who's like turned on physically, really. Yeah. Like I'm attracted to energies and vibrations, which and is I, why
0: Genevieve like just I know, had you I'm going. So obsessed. Yeah,
2: I'm so obsessed. And uh, you know, I, at first I was when I became more comfortable and honest with myself, I was like, okay, I'm dating these men, but for what? Like, mm. are they fulfilling me emotionally? And And I'm like, wait, but I have such great emotional intimacy with women. Mm -hmm. And then I started saying, oh my God, I'm bisexual. Yeah. But then
0: bisexual, that term is often perceived through the male gaze. Yes. Right. Right. It's like, oh, you can't choose, so you just want everything. Exactly, the negative kind of and connotation. It's like, oh, should we
2: have a threesome so yeah. that you can, you know, have sex with Please a woman, and a man, and I'm like, fuck off! Yeah, like, like you have no idea. This like, has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with you. Yeah. Same with the same stigma that, like, with polyamory, you just want, want to have all. sex all the time, and that is simply not true. No. What There's Willow a greedy
0: Smith, the, a greedy the connotation to it. Greedy connotation.
2: Mm-hmm. Like you want more than like mm-hmm. what you should have. And mm-hmm. that is totally not true. Mm-hmm. There are people who are in monogamous relationships that have way more sex than I do as a poly person. Sure. You know, and that's what Willis Smith said too. Like right. she's also came out as poly. And so I just feel like I, I had trouble identifying as bisexual because I don't feel like that was honest to me. Mm. But when queer came out, I was like this is a great umbrella term ah, because I still don't know what I was. Yes.
0: And and it was, it was almost scary to have to fit yourself into these categories that you didn't think necessarily defined who you were. Exactly. And it's like, suddenly everybody started coming out
2: with all these other terms, sapiosexual, demisexual. And um, I'm like, what, what? Yeah. Pansexual.
0: And you didn't find one that, that hit on something for you yet.
2: No. Yeah. And I just have to say, my notion of quote unquote romance Mm -hmm. is deriving farther and farther away from me as I grow in Mm. my intimate relationships. Yeah. Romance as like a fleeting butterfly, you know, consuming Romeo and Juliet thing. I haven't felt that since high school. Wow. And what do I consider my romantic relationships? Mm -hmm. And I think now it's like, also I'm much more comfortable with my body Mm -hmm. and much more comfortable with sex. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I think, look foundation is platonic mm-hmm. if it's spiked with physical and emotional intimacy regardless of the form yeah i'm attracted to it
0: right and i i think there's something we talk about and we joke about all the time that you know you me and our girlfriends were gonna buy a commune and just go live there yeah especially when all the men die out because yeah. they die early you know <laughs> and like and then we there was like an article that came out um or a report or whatever of these two friends who married each other <gasps> i because love because their relationship was yes. the law in a Reminded me of you and Rochelle, yeah. But it was the longest-lasting relationship. They were committed to each other, like you know, they'd already been living together off and on, and they they wanted to be married, and they didn't care, you know, if they had relationships romantically or or, or sexually with other people. But this is home base. And I was like, wow, that's like really, really beautiful. And like such an evolvement of what friendship can mean. Exactly. Because I'm attracted to you. Yeah.
2: You know, like as a friend. Yeah. Right. And I'm attracted to you in love as well. And for me, I'm just like, why does it have to be so solidified in a certain way? Yeah. And I just really want to share this one section that I read from Marilyn Fry's Politics of Reality. Now, she is a feminist philosopher. Okay. So just keep an open mind as I say this, because it doesn't pertain to everybody, but as I've been sort of looking at how the shifting gender politics are happening now and you know, how women are being more single, you know, not really dating men or like men don't really know what their roles are. Let me just say this quote to sort of give everybody a proper frame. Okay. All right. To say that a man is straight implies only that he has sex exclusively with the opposite sex. that is women. Everything or almost everything that is like love, most straight men reserve exclusively for other men, the people they admire, respect, worship, and honor, those they imitate, idolize, and with whom they cultivate deeper bonds, whom they are willing to teach, and with whom they are willing to learn, those whose respect, admiration, recognition, honor, reverence, and love they desire, these are, for the most part, other men so it's it's crazy Mm. because it's almost as if it's like heterosexuality is almost inherently homoerotic wow and this is something i see in a lot of my heterosexual couples that are married the wife is there to provide sex a bond right Mm -hmm. but like in terms of really the bros brotherhood Mm -hmm. like ride or dies butt brothers yeah but brothers Mm -hmm. the buzzin buddies that love that i would want in a romantic partner is reserved for other men
1: Woo, rocks
0: you're gonna make me re-examine my favorite movie of all time lord of the rings (laughs)
2: literally yeah literally yeah go ahead and watch it with that with the Uh, like like damn it i know (laughs) but basically i just think that patriarchy has fostered a culture in which Men only value other
0: men in society. In society, yes.
2: I mean, this is Asian culture, so permanent.
1: And
0: it goes so deep. And, you know, I would even say, like, with Abe, it's like, I think you see it when you're here at our house. Like, it is so different. Like, he is the first to be like, go women. Like, not just like, oh, go women. But, like, he's like, I support you. Like, I'm, you know, behind you. He's always doing stuff. He's a total
2: feminist. He totally is.
0: And sometimes he will discover... A latent Asian American like Asian cultural thing that he needs to unlearn and look at and examine you know and same with myself like since we've gotten married like the idea of gender roles as a modern woman and a modern man has been complicated because I like cooking I like things clean but just because I cook doesn't make me a housewife and, you know, relegated to nothing wrong with being a housewife, Um, but ju- it doesn't make me relegated to the hearth and home um and not having any agency outside the home. Right. And even like Abe's family, I hope he won't mind me sharing this, but his dad's nickname for his mom is like the little master of the household kind of thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's complicated because he empowers me. I empower him. But some of the things that we do in the home resembles a traditional marriage, you know, from the, fifties or whatever. But I like that. I like Mm -hmm. that
2: structure. And every time I hear the more time I spend with both of you, I'm like, this is why they work so well. This (laughs) is what love is. It's because of that struggle of letting go of tradition that the population is declining. Yeah. So I don't know if you've heard this, but like the census came out and it's the US population is the lowest it's ever been in history. Wow. And we're almost like Shadowing like Japan,
0: right? Wow. Yeah, old person it's country.
2: And the reason why is because, like even past generations, women were expected to do everything in the house. Yeah, men worked, and that was their whole identity. Yeah, women were mothers. They they did the cleaning. They did everything. Like the expectations was so heavy.
0: Right, and, and their options were so limited. Exactly. Right. But
2: now that they are working, they're like, oh, I like working.
0: Yes. And then the
2: men start to not understand where they fit in.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's tough. And I, you know, I really, really commend Abe because I'm a pretty strong personality, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think a lot of times, like, I think people that are friends with him are a little bit surprised by our dynamic. But I think the more time you spend with us, the more it just makes sense. It makes
2: sense. But like,
0: you know, when I would gig, Abe is the one there, like often just quietly helping me with sound, not saying a word, waiting for me to, you know, finish up talking to people after a gig, helping me with merch, moving stuff back to the car. Like that is, and he's a Leo, you know, (laughs) but like, but he's so open to that. And so when we moved to Ashland, you know, some people were kind of like, is it hard for Priscilla to, like, give up, you know, whatever it is she's doing? And he's like, no, some years will be for me and some years will be for her. And I was like, wow, that is that is perfect. You know what I mean? Because there's no, like, it's my turn. You know what I mean? It, it was just like we're going to pass the torch back and forth and sometimes I do the cooking and cleaning and sometimes he does the cooking and cleaning and sometimes he's out there making money and I'm sometimes I'm out there making money you know and I I really appreciate that because like he comes from a very very traditional Asian family and I come from a family where my mom was the breadwinner so my vision and understanding and example of a grown woman is someone who's out working and providing. See, and that's
2: beautiful because that almost loops back to queerness because yes. it's about you discovering what your dynamic is in terms of like this new family structure yes. you're, you're creating is eliminating the binary. It's not eliminating the, yes. the structure. And that's what queerness is. It's like both of you are willing to take on quote-unquote the masculine and feminine (laughs) responsibilities Mm -hmm. around the house Mm -hmm. and just being like i we forgo this like sure there was a foundation to work off of but we get to determine what it is that we
0: like i have a lot of masculine qualities and abe like has certain feminine qualities and i find it increasingly beautiful you know and as we kind of grow and become more comfortable i think we both kind of kind of move toward the center. A boy says we all meet in the middle. It's an experience that I wasn't anticipating, mm. you know, in in getting married. I think I probably had all these preconceived notions of what maybe like I read a lot of books about like footbound women in ancient China. Oh god. <laughs> so like in my mind that was like installed software somewhere, but like this idea of having to sacrifice your autonomy, of sacrificing your options, of sac- you know, none of that was true. If I sacrificed anything, it was for the better of the team, Yeah, you know, and, and that's different from just letting yourself become voiceless or forced voicelessness put upon you you know it's so
2: beautiful god <laughs> i'm just like so moved by it because i think where this is all going like if i'm talking about my queer identity yeah. and you're talking about your marriage with abe it's like all of it just showcases freedom and love yeah and you know my partner is married you yeah. know what i mean and every time like i was just talking to priska like basically a lot has happened in my life personally Yeah, i was just talking to her before we started recording and i'm like can you even imagine just a couple years ago how How we would see our lives now and how crazy it is. And, you know, I consider myself a pioneer. I mean, not from an ego standpoint, but literally an experience standpoint in terms of my identity and the way I love and what I do as a career. Like it's it's frightening sometimes Mm -hmm. to feel that you're going into uncharted territory. Yeah. But like. I'm going to cry, but it's like, it's just nice to be in a support system, in a community where all of this is safe. And like just hearing Genevieve talk with such so much warmth and honey, you know, about embracing the differences in us, like the spaciousness, the spaciousness Mm -hmm. in us. Like that's what makes all of this so beautiful and Mm -hmm. worth discussing time and time again.
0: hundred percent. So we're going to take a little break and then we're going to tee up Genevieve's interview. Please do not miss this. They are incredible and so good. Stay tuned. Hi, coatees, The highlight of our week is getting to hang out with all of you. If you like hanging out with us, why not recommend Two Horny Goats to a friend? Whether it's your coworker, quarantine buddy, or long distance BFF, drop them a link. We're available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Okay, bye. Are we ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm so so ready. (laughs) Okay.
2: So give us a little bit of a tidbit, honey.
0: Okay. Well, Genevieve is a spoken word performer and they also run workshops. Um, you can find them on Instagram at Teen Rolls. They also do kind of like other more specified Zoom events. So check out their Instagram page and just make sure you're up to date because you are not going to learn more from anybody out there. Let me just tell uh, you that.
2: I learned so much in this one interview. Yes. It's all dropping.
0: And I think one thing Rox and I talk a lot about is, and I think we're going to do a full episode on this later in the season, so stay tuned. Yes. But it's just toxic wokeness and Mm -hmm. fragile the fragility of wokeness it's something that's been on our hearts and minds and i think especially this year where we have been all indoors where social media has become the only way we really interact with our communities it's become a very judgmental space a very inflexible space whatever that is genevieve is the exact opposite and they have so much compassion and talk about queerness as spaciousness, framing it as it melts when you touch it. And so, you know, in that way, what I gain from it is knowing it is not the goal. Yes. Owning it is not the goal. Yes. Having perfect acumen is not the goal. Cause we will never have that. It's always going to be, it melts when you touch it.
2: Yes. Oh, and do you dare do th- touch it? Will you touch it with Will me? Will you touch it? And let's melt I it together. want to touch
0: it. Yes. So let's touch it together. All and right. Yeah. <laughs> and so I would say like, this is rocks. This is our first interview other than our dads that we're playing on the pod.
2: And I can't be more honored to have it be Genevieve Tang. So without any further ado, please enjoy this interview that we have with them.
0: Hi, goatees. Prisca here. Right before we dive in with Genevieve, I just want to note that you may notice a difference in audio quality. Originally, this talk was only going to exist in a live format. We recorded our Zoom call on a lark and we're so glad we did because the content of this interview is too important not to share. So we hope you don't mind a few audio artifacts here and there. Thanks again to the FAM app and The Great Company for giving us space to host this conversation. So without further ado, here's our chat with Genevieve.
1: Genevieve Ting! A Rolls. Hey. Ting Rolls.
3: Can you all hear me?
2: Yes. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. loud and clear. Yes. Yes. You sound good. Yes. Cool. Yes. Oh,
3: thank you. Thank you.
2: We're so excited to have you here today. And I just want to tell you that, like, the last time I saw you live with your spoken word, I just knew I was like, oh my gosh, not only are you so good at what you do but you really take all of us on such an emotional journey that like transcends the present like yeah. it really makes you think so deeply about the world where we come from our bodies and our consciousness and i i just know that you're like you must be such a spiritual person and you're such an old soul like mm-hmm. i look at you and i'm like uh, they're in such a young body you know Like i mean <laughs> but, like, oh, but, like you're, you're yeah, but you're so forward-thinking. Like I, I think that you're seeing years into the future, mm. you know. So I can't wait to really like dig into this conversation and ask you about that because it takes a lot of courage mm. to be able to know yourself and to speak your truth at such mm. a young age in the face of so much adversity. Anyways, I, I'm just crushing here a little bit, but so uh, crushing, tell yeah. us a little bit, more, or Jennifer <laughs> <gentlemen, laughs> tells a little bit more about like loves me, loves me not, and then I also saw this Instagram page. That you created that's like everybody is, is <laughs> It's very hot. Very, I'm just
3: very like hot. I'm like so into it. It's, oh, it's, yes. very yes, it's very hot. Yes.
2: Yes, 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 yes.
0: yes. It's so um, good.
3: Yeah. Wow. Thank you guys so much for having me. Um, and it's so kind to hear both of the ways that you have described me. It's so funny, Prisca, like hearing about how we met because I too have like seared in my memory the time that we met at TNC. Yeah. I and it's very gracious of you to say that my poetry was good back then. I don't think it was good back then at all. But what I do remember is like hearing your voice and I was like, I tell people this all the time. I'm just like, I feel like you have one of the most like truly in the essence of the word like powerful voices I've ever heard. Like every time I've ever heard you sing... And I feel very privileged that I've gotten to hear you sing live as many times that I have, and for free. Like <laughs> the fact, yeah, I, I'm, you know, there's so many artists and like people we've been connected with, like because of TNC and in Los Angeles, but like you are truly like a rare gem. That every time I've gotten to see you, I feel like deeply moved in my body because oh, your God. voice is like it feels like this tether to like what you're describing like another world another place so oh I just want to thank you
0: I'm literally sweating like I yeah. appreciate you so much I'm such a fan of yours and I just think we had a mutual cru- like a mutual talent crush and like I was like Roxy you got to get in on this so we can- I am happy to be in this sandwich right now <laughs> I just know the juicy filling
2: That doesn't really have any nutrients, but I'm here to be salty. You know what I mean? (laughs) I'm here to add some savory seasoning to this mix. I need that umami.
0: Yes. How do you get that umami, you know? Dried shiitake. (laughs) Well, it's just so
2: beautiful, like seeing this, because you raise people up with your words. I wanna ask you just as a human being do you feel hopeful right now?
3: Yeah, I feel like that's a, a loaded question. And I really appreciate what you were saying before about my work and it feeling, I'm not that young, by the way, <laughs> maybe I look young. I think
2: everyone I is young.
3: With <laughs> right. Right. Um, Herster. Herster. yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's cause I've been on Shiseido since I was seven. Hey! That's, quite... oh, hey, that's that, for another conversation. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in terms of the question about hope, I, I do still feel really hopeful because I feel like the hope that I feel is not tied to a sense of like place or like U.S. empire. And I, I feel like, especially lately, like really deeply connected to this tether between my ancestors and my memory and my futurity and like things that exist beyond just like the circumstances we're in. Mm. And I think because I've like tied that sense of hope to something that physically cannot be validated by the circumstances that we're in right now. I've always been able to kind of like step back or step outside or go to outer space. So I do still feel really hopeful. And I feel hopeful also in the definition of like Maryam Kaba's definition of hope, or even like Gloria Steinem's definition of hope, which is that like hope is a muscle, hope is muscular, hope is a verb. And mm-hmm. I think it is really easy to feel hopeless and it is really easy to despair because of the circumstances and the like the time that we're living in. But like, what does it mean to ground ourselves in something deeper and more spacious than US empire or white supremacy, (laughs) you know, like what we have. So yeah, I, I am still very hopeful. And I think that people who know me really well, often comment on the fact that like, it takes a lot for me to, like, despair, I would say. It takes a lot for me to, like, actually reach a point of, like, oh, yeah, I feel hopeless about something. Hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. I want to get to know you through this conversation personally. I know that... Uh, Let's do it. Head, she had, you know, the, the time and privilege um <laughs> to get to know you, you know, many years before you met beautiful, glorious Roxy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just also want to say you're gonna love me too
1: yeah i already do
2: so <laughs> i don't i don't get jealous i don't <laughs> um i'm just saying i'm just saying but you know where, where did you grow up where, did you grow up locally in los angeles where are you from oh loaded question again where are you from <laughs> where am i
3: from um mm. physically so i grew up in the bay area um oh. i yeah i grew up in the east bay so uh, most of my family, my mother, this isn't what you asked, but since we're all Asian here, it's fair. Um, yeah, my mother true. was born in Taiwan. My dad was born in Burma. Um, but I am ethnically Chinese and French. And so, yeah, I grew up in the Bay Area. Most of my family is up there. And I came down to Los Angeles um, and I went to USC. So, yeah, that's I have pretty much just been in the greater like Los Angeles area for the past nine years. A big part of
2: my curiosity about you is when you first found this identity or at least a direction in where you were going. Did you ever feel lost about that? And what were you exploring during that transition down or in that time at USC or maybe afterwards? You know, like where did this found thing, you know, start to cement itself within you?
3: Um, I would say that going to USC was about being lost <laughs> huh. Um, like and I mean that in like a not interesting way I just like for college was a very weird time for me like the first few years I just spent it like intensely drinking and partying and like had no sense of self really you know no. <laughs> same, 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 same. as one does, as one does. Yeah. yeah and would you go there to study um, I studied communication with like a minor in screenwriting. So
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: the the good the good thing about going to USC is I wouldn't be connected to any of the like API spaces that I am in now were it not for the people that I met there. Like I met the amazing Alex Kanagawa and Andy Sue oh, and all kinds oh, of people, people that me. Yeah, connected oh. me to TNC. Like I only literally did the open mic at TNC for the first time when I was a senior at USC because my friends were like, you should go to this and try it. And I did it and then I performed at TNC from there. So wow. like, I would say that I, I didn't know who I was really until like the end of college. And I'm actually really grateful for the time that I spent like not knowing myself and actually like reintroducing myself constantly because that process and that like reintroduction experience is something that I'm doing every day now. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I've ever fully like found my identity. Like it, I, don't, I don't really call myself a poet or I don't really call myself like an activist ever because I don't really, part of it is an imposter syndrome thing, but part of it also is just like the naming feels so limiting at times. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I I get kind of bogged down by like the limitations of language a lot and I'm sure we can get into more of that when we talk about other things, but yeah, I I actually really like that. I don't know who I am a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And I find a lot of joy in the unknowing.
2: I fucking love that. I I love how you just in those words and what you said just now gave permission to anybody listening that you don't have to be labeled or be seen in a certain way because we all know that labeling means it's the other person's inability to see you through their eyes in a certain way like it's because they want to identify you through their lens right Mm -hmm. oh yeah
3: i was just gonna say i also feel like a lot of it is like colonization is about like placing things and like naming things in order to like get them and yeah categorization actually just feels like violence a lot of the time. Like if I'm forced to limit who I am, then I can only be this one thing. And then there's such a scarcity applied to like naming. And I feel like the real joy of being queer and being non-binary and also being trans is like, I don't have to limit myself to one thing. And in that spaciousness is infinite possibilities for myself. And yeah, so I think, I think a lot of it is like colonization and the fictions we've been taught about ourselves and being forced to name.
0: And capitalism, right? Because we are all commodities and being able to describe ourselves as like, like ourselves as a brand is such a huge aspect of our lives nowadays, you know, and Roxy and I even putting together like the Two Horny Goats website, we were like, how do we write about ourselves? Like what, what, how can you distill who we are into a, like three lines of copy? you know? So yeah, I think like what Roxy's saying, that is so like, I know you talk about spaciousness a lot, but that is such a forward thinking expansive way to kind of couch it, you know?
3: Yeah, totally. I just, I think there's so many fictions that we inherit that weren't ours and a lot of them have to do with exactly what you're saying. Capitalism, patriarchy, heteronormativity, cisnormativity, white supremacy. And I, I do love to read, but I don't like to read these particular fictions anymore. Um, and yeah, I just, I feel like there's so much more that we gift ourselves in that spaciousness and in that allowance. Um, And being like, yeah, I don't know, like I'm a snail or I'm the sky. I'm a lot of things, but oh. I don't like to limit
0: myself. Roxy, don't cry. <laughs> Roxy,
2: don't cry. <laughs> Prisca is like my best friend. So she like knows every nuance <laughs> of what I'm feeling. Like, and I'm just, drooling right now I'm like I heard snail it's like Pavlov's dog like immediately drooling because I'm associating it with something else but (laughs) but Genevieve you know take me a little bit through this um unbreaking process because you're talking about like sort of breaking through the confines of what society has told us to be was this difficult in your home environment what were you taught when you were younger especially Mm -hmm. as an you know, an Asian body, an Asian person. Yeah. I think that I,
3: so I grew up with two parents and two older brothers and, you know, for the vast majority of my life, I was socialized as an Asian American woman Mm -hmm. and I still feel a great connection to like the femininity that lives inside of my body. And I don't identify as like a trans man or as a man. I will maybe joke that I'm a dude, but I like, for the most part, just feel a lot of, again, spaciousness in my gender. And I've been really lucky in terms of my family, accepting my queerness and accepting my gender identity. And when I first came out to my parents in college, like, the way that I did it was I watched the movie Blue is the Warmest Color.
1: Hey! <laughs> that
3: pussy looking was... That, that, that seven and a half minute, minute long, yes. <laughs> I wrote an essay about it. It got published on Thought Catalog, which just like dates what year it was. Um, And... 2014. 2013, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and i sat my entire family down at thanksgiving i passed out five copies of the essay and i made all of them read it with me wow oh my god <laughs> and that's how i came out to my family and the essay i look back on in some language i disagree with but the basic premise is still pretty much the same which is how i feel now which is like i don't like to label myself i don't like to say that i'm strictly one thing or the other even though i might exist in different like politicized terminology
1: yes um
3: But I was really lucky, like I've been really lucky that I have always had this like curiosity built into my experience of my identity. And that's always been kind of encouraged, like Mm. for an Asian person, both of my parents are very open and very welcoming. And my father is one of the goofiest and like silliest people that I've ever met, especially Mm. for like an Asian man or an Asian masculine person. And I feel very blessed that that has been sort of my template for masculinity as I've gotten older. Yeah,
0: like a softness Um, there.
3: A softness. Yeah. a Like consistent softness, like Mm. a relentless softness.
2: That's so interesting because Prisca and I also have very wonderful father figures and it's allowed us to be the people that we are today. And and that is so important because I'm like, how does one come through like you like this in such a groundbreaking through the cement sort of way? And I I also just want to pinpoint that, like, when I first watched Blue is the Warmest Color, that movie changed my life. Like I was so shook. After watching that movie, but then last year I watched um what is it, Portrait of a Girl oh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yeah. <gasps> Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I watched that and loved it. I went back and I watched Blue is the Warmest Color and I could not watch it. It was just, I could not watch. I could not. I could. It, it's so it's so male gazy.
1: Um, like it's yeah. so
2: male gazy, and I I just. It's, it's just mind boggling, like at that point, like five years ago, or uh, how many years ago that movie was made, how it shifted, you know, my queerness. And now like, I'm like seeing movies like this made through a female gaze about lesbian relationships, and then going back and watching that. And I just like, it's, it's so like, I don't know if you've yeah. seen it recently, but it just feels different. Yeah, no, I,
3: I haven't been able to see it again, kind of since that time, especially because of all of, like the controversy with the director and like the yes. experience of oh, terrorism like, yeah. that happened. Yes. I honestly wish that my coming out movie, I wish I had, I had seen The Handmaiden. And
1: oh, yeah! Oh, my God. Oh, because oh. you know
0: that's my actual older. favorite movie. <laughs> I love Handmaiden. that movie. It was so <laughs> kinky. <laughs> so it
2: good. was so kinky. we're talking uh, about the korean one right right? hell yeah
0: yeah okay
3: okay
0: Okay. cool yeah 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 yeah. snl just did a perfect parody on ammonite and um portrait of a lady on fire did you see it it is is, i'll show it to you roxy like it is it's literally everything problematic about these movies and how, like, I I don't know, just, like, predictable and, like... Yeah, it's, like, every trope
3: of, like, a lesbian romantic film, period Period piece. piece. I think it's called, yeah. like, Lesbian Period Piece or something. Yes! Like and it's, like, the, the joke review is, like, I mean, of course I'm going to watch it, but, like... <laughs>
0: And it was like, you get one every year or something.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) But yeah, it's also hard to find just like porn that I want to watch nowadays, because so much of it's not ethically made. So much of it is still male gazy, even if it's made by females, because of like, what people are used to putting in front like of people as porn, you know? And so that that's its own complicated journey. Yeah. It's actually funny you say that. Cause I was just
3: talking to my best friend yesterday about how she was like, I think I need to like stop watching porn. And I was like, tell me more. And she, <laughs> she was like, There's so much about the conversation about like porn that's like very complicated, but she was like at some level, like the psychological impulse to like get off in the way that porn has been like constructing intimacy is confusing at times because Mm. it's like your body is reacting to at times like violent displays of like sexual intimacy. Yes. And the idea that you have to like get off to that in certain like situations can be like complicated. I'm not saying that's happening for everyone, but I think at some level, like it exists. It exists and it kind of like informs how you might feel. So, yeah, I I mostly say that because like I didn't watch any porn for the longest time. Like I was a nubile baby for so long, like definitely like pleasure centric and sensual, but just like didn't watch porn. Yeah. And only recently because I'm now on testosterone have I had this like stronger urge to like watch porn.
1: Interesting. How has that
3: been like for you? Oh, man, it's it's a whole journey. Um, I... So I, I'm non-binary, but I also identify as like trans-masculine because it's about presentation. Right. Um, also identify as a lover boy. Um, hey. that's, <laughs> yeah, that's something. Um, but yeah, no, it's been, I, I don't know. There's a lot to it. There's the emotional side of it. There's like a spiritual side of it. There's the physicality that's changing. There's, there's just a lot that I'm sort of unpacking all the time um, yeah. with tea, but I'm really, I'm really grateful to be, to be on it right now.
0: you read all the things, known all the things. What's something that still surprised you? 'Cause I've heard some accounts where it, it can just be really intense, like you said, emotionally, or like even the way like thoughts start rushing, you know?
3: The two biggest things I noticed were one, how horny I am
0: mm-hmm. all the time.
2: You <laughs> I could be on the started- podcast, two horny yeah. goats. We could be the three horny goats, even though you're a Libra.
3: Okay, two horny goats on a scale. Yes, two horny scale.
1: Um,
2: <laughs> um,
3: yeah, it's it's disturbing. I like woke up one morning. This has never happened to me. My friend described it. She was like, "You had a morning wood." I literally like woke up because I was so horny. Oh and, wow! Like, that's just never happened. And like, it's it's just I don't know. It's just really interesting to like experience that. So that's been like the physically most surprising thing. Right. The second thing that I've had to adjust to is my voice. Like my voice has just changed significantly over the past three months and I have many thoughts about it and I'm writing many poems about it but it's yeah it's 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 an irreversible change Uh, some other things can stop if you like stop taking tea but my voice will just stay like this and will continue to deepen so yeah is
0: there like as much as there's celebration is there a grieving process for things like that completely
3: Mm -hmm. yeah I I feel like I'm so much of me is dying as i'm rebirthing myself so wow. i'm having to hold a very non-binary appreciation for like the dying and the birthing that's happening in my body all the time um that's actually part of the poem that i read at that event that you guys that rocks i don't yeah obviously frisco was there he performed and it was amazing. Um, <laughs> i was but...
2: sitting right in front genevieve i was locking <laughs> eyes with you i was at the front row getting the best angle low angle wide yeah. But also <laughs> zooming into a medium shot for those important moments,
3: and those Instagram stories, I was like the cinematography here,
2: it's next <laughs> level. I don't know. I'm just like <laughs> sitting right in front. Of, like I got it. I have really poor hearing, so I have to get up close to be able to hear properly. Um, please yeah. continue the, the the birthing and death process.
3: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Poem. Yeah. Something that I wrote in that poem was like, "Here in my body is where like death and rebirth makes a home every day," oh. and. I wanted that to be sort of a testament to my experience of transition of like, there, there is the very easy narrative of like, I'm finally becoming the person I want to be and like, blah, 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 and all this stuff. And that's great. But there also has to be space for like the messy reality, which is like, I'm also dying yeah. and I'm also like putting myself to rest all the time. Right. And it's okay for me to like be mourning myself because it happens and transition also means change. And so, yeah, I'm just, I'm kind of welcoming the multiplicity of that and knowing that love can exist in all of that.
2: This discussion of queerness has really shifted in like the public view rapidly in our generation, right? Because it was so for so long a binary construct. Can you tell us what your journey was in terms of coming out first as what, you know, and then transitioning your evolution? And of course, now what I'm hearing is that you're so open to the future you. Like, just being in the present and, like, feeling what it is you're going through now, which could be scary, disorienting, frustrating, confusing. When you you are opening yourself to any possibility, take us through your journey of how that came to be and, like, fighting that sort of binary construct that we were taught yeah. to see when we talk about gay or queer, right?
3: Yeah. I, I think I initially, when I was kind of thinking about it, I was like, I think I'm bi. Like, I think I, like, not just dudes or, like, Or Yeah, or cis men or people who are like sort of more masculine in presentation. I was like, I think I'm bi. I started in that. And then I quickly kind of discovered the term queer. And, you know, luckily, I was in a lot of queer spaces my senior year of college, like I was just around a lot of homos, (coughs) and we became friends and queerness just felt a lot more comfortable for me. Hmm. and even if I didn't fully access or come into contact with like the enormity of what queerness can be in my life now I was at least just like I think this is like a jacket that fits me Mm -hmm. or I think this is like a hat that sits well on my head you know um or maybe a better metaphor would be like these feel like the right glasses Mm -hmm. like I'm able to see properly through the glasses of queerness and so yeah I think I identified queer as queer for a long time but I was still very like much a woman like I identified as a cis woman I was very comfortable in like my not comfortable but I was like I must I'm a woman like I have yeah I have that understanding
0: you talk about womanhood a lot like or or the idea of womanhood and so is that another thing to kind of grieve in this process oh
3: yeah yeah I I teach this workshop titled queer love is spacious um and this like metaphor that I always use in the workshop is like If womanhood was like this house that I was sort of like indoctrinated into, you know, for the longest time, like I knew the blueprint of the house. I knew the way the light came through the windows. I knew the like flooring and the tables and like where all the furniture is. I knew that house well. When I started to identify as non-binary, it was like it took me out of the house. Hmm. And I think there is this compulsion when you're in your gender identity journey or whatever to then be like, oh, non-binary is like this new house. Like, look at my shiny new house. But instead what happened for me is non-binary just took me out of the house and that's what I wanted, you know? And I don't think that's the experience for everyone. I think some people do see like, I think some people mistakenly see non-binary as like the third gender and it's really not that, right? Like the literal definition is like outside of the binary. I started to identify as non-binary and I was like, I don't want to be in this house. I want to be in my body and I want to be within myself. Wow. So yeah, I started identifying as non-binary probably like three and a half, maybe four years ago. And uh, really came into like my trans identity within the past year, year and a half. I started taking testosterone that's about three, about three months, months ago. But the, the process, process of transition is so ongoing and exists outside of like normative medical procedures. So, yeah.
0: yeah. In the second episode um, or the second workshop you did, Queer Love is Spacious, you mentioned like this quote. And it's something like it melts when you touch it. So can you not, the like, of it. Yeah. walk us through that? Like, because, you know, I, I found that so enlightening because, or even this idea that language itself can't in-house enough meaning. So can you, can you talk to us about what you meant by that? It's a
3: quote from one of my favorite trans writers named T. Fleischman in this essay title, time, time is the, of the thing lighting us writing this through. And, um, and yeah, yeah, the quote it is, it melts when you touch you it, touch and else. that's the beauty of it. And it's about ice, and it's the ice is this metaphor for this larger concept in the book. But I wanted to apply it to gender, because I think that for me, for the longest time, I felt restricted or sort of caged in by the idea of womanhood and cis womanhood and a very normative idea of femininity. And what I found is that my gender is much more closely aligned with water than it is with like anything else. Mm -hmm. And there's a sense of fluidity and a sense of like flow that I think allows me to access so many different parts of myself. And I know that womanhood isn't like a cage for everyone at all. Like, I think womanhood is really powerful and really beautiful. But for me, it was restrictive. Mm. And the idea of like, it melts when you touch it. And that's the beauty of it is like, each time I try to be like, okay, this is now what it means to be non-binary. Or if Mm -hmm. I put myself in a certain way, this is now what it means to be non-binary. I end up getting disappointed because I'm just like, why do I find myself still using the same like construct or structure or like architecture Mm -hmm. to understand myself? why do I need the structure so badly? And then I'll have this moment where I'll just be like, then let the structure go, let it die, like let it dissolve, let it decompose. And then I'm able to see myself better. There's like a really beautiful Japanese poem of like, now that my house burned down, I now have a better view of the moon. You know, it's just when I let these things go, what can I let myself see instead?
0: Yeah. And, you know, I think I can feel Roxy just being impacted by what you're saying so deeply <laughs> because... I love this friendship me? I know. <laughs> <was> reading, me. <laughs> One of the things that we talk about on our podcast is Ro- Roxy always says, like, people are unable to categorize her. And, and your kind of deconstruction of this constructed need for categories is, I think, uh, Roxy... It's it's really hard to, hard
2: put, to put into words, words because, because I live I'm and work in a very a, systemic sort of career, right? Having to be like a queer woman of color as a as film a director, director and making this effort six years ago when I finally said, oh, I want to give this a try, right? But how much sacrifice do I have to, you know, commit to like get there, right? So it's about people pleasing, right? It's about working with the execs, working with the ones, you know, there's so many times when I just bent over backwards and was complicit in not fighting for what was right in order for me to get to a place where I thought, maybe when I get there, that's when I have the ability to affect change. And so like hearing this is, is really powerful for me because it's like, well, what if I just gave myself that permission a long time ago? I think people tend to think when you're just yourself, like you you tend to rebel or you tend to fight back against, like you just say whatever you want, but I I don't think that's what it is. I think it's like honoring yourself and who you authentically are at that moment, right? And allowing yourself to evolve and find your voice and find your confidence. So it's, it's interesting because even now to this day, I don't really think, like when I have to identify myself, I go, Taiwanese American? Queer woman of, cl- I'm like, do you have to say all these things before you say my name? Like for so long, people are like, oh yeah, she's a female director. I- I'm waiting for the day, still, that I could just be the director. You know, Roxy, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm so inspiring to hear this because it's just about like, like I said, the word permission keeps coming up, but it's not coming, it's from, not coming from me. From me myself. Myself. It's coming from it's you, coming you from me and me allowing parts of you to die. So I keep seeing like the death card, you know, in tarot where it's like you have to mm. shed the old skin in order to, you know, emerge out of that cocoon and be the next version of yourself.
1: And this yeah. just makes
2: me think about like love and this makes me think about family and this makes me think about like people who accept you and love you, but they have to be willing to accept every evolutionary stage of you, right? So then this started to make me think about like, well, who do you have around you that will be completely all-encompassing accepting Except you for that? So I, I know that there's a lot of, I don't know. I just keep thinking, Jeremy, the next question I want to ask you is not on my beat sheet. It's just mm-hmm. about, you know, talking to younger people who struggle inside yeah, their bodies. Like, what
3: would you say to them? I want to say Thank you for sharing that because I feel like it's not, it's not always easy to have to visit like prior selves that have had to shrink or minimize or invisibilize parts of yourself. And I think each time we time travel back to smaller versions of ourselves, we can like, hug them or, you know, offer them like a, mm. a, a a touch of care. And I think that's like an incredible kindness to have that awareness of like where you've been and also where you want to go. Um, and there's also this, there's this really good astrologer named Alice Sparkly Cat on Instagram. Um, and they posted this thing that was like, most things that we try to improve with self-improvement can actually, or most things we try to solve with self-improvement, we can solve with self-compassion. Mm. And I feel like it's about like accepting Ourselves more than it is like improving ourselves or like bettering ourselves for like anyone's measurement or validation. One more thing I wanted to add before I answer your question is like, I I really get the logic of like naming ourselves as like queer, non binary, like women of color, people of color. Like, I I get the logic, right? Like, I get why we have to sometimes name ourselves as that for the purposes of like a grant or like an application. And there's political weight, right? Like, these names didn't just come from nowhere. Like, we made these categories, they have like a political history and a social history. So, I get the logic. But what I'm finding is in addition to understanding the logic, I also would like to live inside of the illogic. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a lot of beauty and wonder in things that don't have like a strict logic to them, because oftentimes when people are asking us to define ourselves, they're asking us to be coherent, right? And I always ask like coherent to who, Mm. because I'm, I'm perfectly fine being incoherent to myself. And being, you know, perhaps coherent or understandable to the people who really know and understand me, and I'm actually very comfortable if someone walking down the street looks at me and has no idea what's going on there, and is like, I, I can't compute what's happening. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm actually okay with that. Like, I'm actually okay with the fact that you can't conceptualize like all of my being. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that does tie to like what I would say to younger people. And I've gotten the chance to like speak to a couple different younger groups recently um, through like some school organizations and. I think the biggest thing that I want to tell young people, which is weird, because I'm like, I'm not that... I don't even... I don't know. How, I'm 27. I'm like, neither old nor young and age is but a concept. I, re-
0: I remember that. <laughs> so yeah. It's a weird. Like, things yeah. are happening, but then you're still so young and people take you seriously. People don't. It's it's a lot. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I hear you.
3: I do feel like a tortoise. Like, I have a lot of age, but I also am just like... <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. Ro- Roxy <laughs> is reading your soul. And I don't know, Roxy, it's what, like 10,000 years old? Like,
2: oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. i am like been through your many
3: cycles. <laughs> I feel that way. It's actually really lovely to hear that because I do feel that way often. Like, I feel like I've been here and I feel really tied to my ancestors in a way that I don't know how to explain sometimes. Mm. But yeah, he I must
2: be super spiritual. You. Oh, sorry. sorry. Yes. 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 No. Yeah. Spiritual. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
3: Thank you for saying that. I think for the longest time I didn't think I was because I'm like a you grew up in like a Christian went to Christian school like was raised Catholic. Yeah. Um.
1: What? So, I know. Yeah.
3: What? <laughs> yeah, I went to Christian school for six years, uniforms and everything. <laughs> oh my gosh! Wait, which Christian school did you go to? I went to Valley Christian Elementary School. Oh my um, gosh! Dublin, California.
0: I've heard of that school because I went to yeah. St. Gabriel Christian. Oh, oh nice. Yeah. Uh, or I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever, you know. Yeah. Just, yeah. It was what it was. But yeah, the uniform yeah. for sure.
3: The biggest thing that I take away from an experience of like growing up in organized religion is while I don't necessarily believe in the structure of organized religion, I will say the thing that still carries me is like a sense of devotion to something bigger than myself. Yes. And Just devotion, I think, is really key in my queerness and in my identity now. It's like, what can I I devote devote myself myself to? to. I wish someone told me when I was younger that, like, you never get there. Hmm. Like, if there is some mythical finish line or some mythical, like, arrival, you're never going to get there. And that's the beauty of it. And it's, you know, it's as corny as it's the journey, not the destination. But it's as simple as, like, you're constantly evolving and constantly coming to your own and constantly meeting yourself. And constantly coming out and constantly like dying and growing and the purpose of it like that's the fruit that's the seed and yeah I, I feel so much joy when I meet young people who are like I don't know what I want to be and I'm like great hold on to that mm. like, just stay with that yeah don't lose that
0: that's yeah. okay I love how you kind of frame it as imagination what's required is imagination because this kind of wanting to have concrete, you know, definitions for things that's actually in a way like it's like boring. It it's not conducive to our human nature which is ineffable and constantly changing and that same thing of like never completed, you know, never finished. So can you talk a little bit more about how you kind of connect imagination with queer identity and um queer bodies?
3: Yeah. Yeah, I love this question. Um I, I think I wrote this before, or maybe I've said it. Like, you know, if imagination is what's needed to take ourselves from here into a future that we actually want to be in, you know, a future without prisons, without police, without white supremacy. Then sometimes I imagine that my non-binariness or my queerness or my transness is a map to get there, right? Like it is a map of undoing. It is a map of crossing paths and bridges and divides, and it's all over the place. Mm. And And then every day becomes like the answer to the question of like, how do we get there? You know, every day I live in my body becomes the question of like, how do I become myself? You know, and imagination is such a powerful tool, not only because it's like this starry eyed dreamy wonder, but it's like we need to orient our bodies in some direction. Right. Like one of my favorite queer writers is uh, this person named Jose Esteban Munoz. And he wrote this book called uh, Cruising Utopia, The Then and There of Queer Futurity. And something he says is like, queerness is not yet here. Mm. Put another way, queerness is an ideality. Queerness is like a horizon. Mm. And I think when we remember that, like, it's not about reaching a certain destination and instead operating from a place of imagination and abundance, like, that's when so many doors open up for ourselves, right? It's like, I may never get there. Mm -hmm. I can grieve that because that's like a socialized and like ingrained idea that I had to get somewhere. Mm -hmm. And then I can also allow myself to go anywhere.
0: I I think what's interesting, you know, in, in one of your poems that you posted on on Instagram, and you were talking kind of about institutions, and how we we think of these institutions as having always been here. But that's a myth, right? And that's what they're actually designed to have that tagline, because they want everyone to kind of hold on to that party line. But there were things that existed prior to that. And so the things we're trying to undo, they've already been undone by the if you look at time as not linear, you know. Right. So undoing it is not an impossibility. And you know, if we go back to like say ancient Greece, like mm. like gender was such a flexible, you know, and sexuality was never straightforward. Um, other than like literally siring a child, it, it was so much more so in flux. And the idea that the binary structure has always been king is, is inaccurate.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think the idea that so much of what like we as queer people or like people of color or trans people, the idea that we're new is like so ahistorical and so like in denial of like indigenous cultures and like indigenous Asian cultures and and, like So much that's existed outside of the construct of U.S. empire. And I think when I remember that, it's easier to feel that sense of like hope that we were talking about before. Right. This hope that exists outside of the container we're in. And like I also say this in my workshop, but, you know, sometimes we'll be like, oh, you have such like a starry eyed wonder about like what the future could be. And I'll be like, yeah, a starry eyed wonder is like what got my ancestors to do what they did, which is why I'm here. Like I exist because someone in my ancestral Ancestral. line had a starry eyed sense of wonder to live outside of what they had. And that's why I'm here. And that's why I'm talking on this. And that's why you're looking at me on this. You know what I mean? Like that existed somewhere in my legacy and in my lineage. And I still have a connection to that. And I'm an inheritance I'm a descendant of that belief.
2: I've been um, hearing you talk about this connection with your ancestry line stronger than you've ever had before, Genevieve. What does that feel like to you? What does that look like to you? And how do you channel that connection? At times, it feels heavy Hmm.
3: because I think it's almost easier to feel purposeless hmm. especially when capitalism is as potent as it is right if you feel purposeless there's something you can fill it with capitalism right whether it's an object or a material or a product or something
0: yeah i just bought like 200 dollars worth of sephora stuff so totally absolutely <laughs>
3: and like that is your god given asian
0: <laughs> it was just honestly yeah <laughs> i'm sorry but yes no 100% yeah
3: yeah like you know, it's, it's easy. And it's, it's not like one thing is like worse than the other. It's just like, you know, the experiences that we have. And yeah. I think lately, and especially in the face of so much violence, and the rising hate crimes that have happened against Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders, like, yeah, there is this sense of like deepening of purpose. And also, I'm not exactly sure how to describe it. Yeah, it's just like a deepening and a rooting inside of myself. And I think the way that I channel it is I go on walks. Mm. And I take ideas out on walks and I take like my ancestors out on walks with me Mm. like I I think so much about how like the way that I'm living right now I had this like thought the other day when I was like looking up at the moon I was like I'm sitting here and I'm not being bothered and there's like fresh water nearby and I can look at the moon Mm. like again somewhere in my ancestral line that was an impossibility like someone could not take the time and the luxury and the privilege to sit there and do that yeah and so I often feel that me living in my body now in my full transness and my full queerness and my full Asianness is me living the full extension of what people in my family haven't been able to do and so it's not just about me you yeah. know it's about my mom and it's about my grandma and it's about my grandmother's grandmother and I know it's it's, it's heavy but it's also really like light
0: sometimes I feel like I was robbed of my cultural heritage because of colonialism and Christianity. Um, and, you know, I didn't know this so really recently, but both of my grandparents um, were educators or highly educated people in China. One of them was martyred in the town square for being a highly educated person. I didn't yeah. know this, like, it was like dropped in a casual line chat. You know what I mean? It was like totally <laughs> like, you know, you know, as Asian parents do, they just do that yeah. a bomb. And you're like, wait, excuse me? And the yeah. and I just found out literally weeks ago th- that my other great-grandfather um, was also an educator. And then because he was, a, oh, because his daughter, my grandmother, left China to go to Taiwan, obviously, to flee, because of that, their entire family was like blacklisted. And he ended up no money sweeping the streets and died penniless wow this is our heritage this is within two generations like yeah this is so close and yet i was literally robbed of the knowledge of that i think because of this desire to like have a blank slate for our kids you know i don't think my parents wanted us to feel the burden of that feel the pain of that and um but it's so strange because even even just that knowledge gave me a new understanding of the grit that I might have within myself, you know? This mm.
2: connection to our ancestors will only feel heavier and louder the older mm. we get. is already super sensitive. So it's like she could feel, you know, like both your grandmothers were there for one of our sessions.
0: Yeah. Remember?
2: Yeah. They just Rocks of Red
0: Tarot for me. Yeah. I was... Oh, my God. It, like, Roxy is such a strong channel. Like, like really, Genevieve, like, outside of this, like, if she can do a reading for you, like, I'm just saying. Like, I would love <laughs> that, yeah.
2: My grandmother... Uh, so there's a movie in Taiwan called Big Little Women that's now on Netflix. Um, my cousin made this movie about my maternal grandmother, became the best-selling movie in all of Taiwan in 2020. My grandmother's story is literally, like, part of history, Taiwanese yeah, history. Okay, now, sure. And, um... It's fucking crazy. And she is here stronger than ever. Like she went to one of my um, tarot readers who is Australian. He was like, I keep dreaming about you. And he's like, your grandmother keeps coming through. My astrologer was like, your grandmother's coming through. And I'm wow. like, what is up?
1: <laughs> mama,
2: I'm not. Y'all so mom. <laughs> You know, it's like it's so loud. But I'm sorry, I just wanted to say, like, it's like our connection with our ancestors will continue to build Mm -hmm. in our relationships with them as we get older.
0: Well, I think this has just been so eye opening. And like, I think Roxy and I, as much as we try to engage and and read and, and whatnot, like we understand how limited our knowledge is, you know, and even going through your workshops and and your videos online what was, what struck me the most was your generosity because i think it's easier and i find that you know it's it's a trap to put down tribal lines you know and and have a us versus them mentality and while you are very loving of a certain kind of in group and and very and speaking to a certain type of audience you're very open and generous with anyone who is willing to listen. It it really differentiates you from a lot of other people speaking in this similar space, you know? And I just really want to thank you for being so open, being so kind and generous. And even if there are kind of, you know, little party fouls here and there, like you're, you're very understanding and clear about it though. Like, I love that you set boundaries so clearly but you do it very lovingly. That's a very difficult balance. It is kind of like
3: maybe the Christian upbringing of like the golden rule, you know, like how you <laughs> to be treated. But right. I think that when people make mistakes, it's almost like, you know, remember when you were kids and you like lifted up that big like rainbow thing and you jumped in and then sat inside?
1: Yeah. All, it was
2: so it's fun. Almost, it's <laughs> almost
3: like in that moment, if some kid like fell down next to you or like screwed up at the end of the day, the whole idea is that you want to create as big of like a balloon over all of you to cover you as possible. Right. Mm. So it's not going to help me to like berate the person next to me. I might be like irritated or whatever. But at the end of the (laughs) day, like I need that for good reason. At (laughs) the end of the day, I actually just need that person to continue to like rise up and throw the sheet into the air, you know? Yeah. So if that's the case, then I have to believe in some collective vision of us like rising.
0: We love you, Genevieve. Like, truly, yeah. any way we can support you, you let us know as well, okay?
3: Yeah, I love you guys. Thank you so much
0: for this. Love you. Bye. Love you Bye. So
2: All right, everybody, as we come back into this space. Ooh, are y'all in love? I am in love all over again. Uh, Genevieve, call me.
0: All right. <laughs> <laughs> so we, <laughs> Your signs don't align. I know. It's <sighs> never
2: going to work with a Virgo Damn Venus it. and a, an a, and a Aquarius Venus. But you know what? A it's girl okay. can dream. A girl can it's dream. It's okay. Yeah.
0: We can appreciate them from afar, and we will have brunch with you, Genevieve. So... Once
2: Just you come back from you. Be York. on the
0: look of that. Yes. Yeah. All right. So, Presco, what time is it?
2: It's, it's time, time for.
1: <laughs>
2: um, I'm so excited to hear you gush about oh this God. sexy man. Oh my
0: God. Maybe I've been living under a rock. Like, I'm not really sure. But, Adam. Liao <gasps> excuse Ooh. me born in Malaysia Hell to yeah. a, like a Malaysian father and a Singaporean mother moved to Australia his family's original um, originally from Hainan mm-hmm. he, he is he's like a nice perfect pudding Ooh. that you just want to dip a Ooh. spoon into Ooh. and eat
2: Ooh. but
0: he's I think he's the winner of season two of Master Australia yeah so he's got an accent check he's got like sultry voice got like a perfect like dad bod i would say so sexy check he's got a little facial hair which if you've seen my husband you know i love check and he can make a delicious meal out of everything so his youtube channel like you can follow him on instagram and orgasm worthy orgasm worthy looking every single
2: dish yes
0: and then he also does like a youtube channel which is like so well produced i'm sure it's like under it's i'm sure it's like on some tv channel in australia or singapore whatever you know but it is so beautifully done and he teaches you he has like something called dumpling school where he just does like different dumpling things like every week and he did like he did like hot water dough cold water dough he has this amazing hainan chicken and rice tutorial which oh my god you know that's my favorite dish bish um and he he's just so calming
2: like I like watching him before bed I love his energy because he really can his eyes and the way he talks and the way he connects with you and you know there are some chefs as we know in um, restaurant culture Uh, there's a lot of toxicity yeah exactly but he doesn't feel intimidating he feels very warm I mean I love me a man that could chop up some fucking ginger you know what I'm saying like show me those hands
0: bruise the ginger you Mm. know don't like Oh yeah bruise me you know what I'm saying I was really
2: defeated when I realized he has a gorgeous wife and a gorgeous
0: Family. oh so annoying i was like should i dm and be like you single <laughs> like, like roxy was
1: ready with the dms she was ready. ready like on Teach fire me the chicken, like baby. call me <laughs> i know
0: so definitely check out his youtube channel because it is I'm just soothing fan. educational and um goes through a lot of like the dishes that all of us should learn based on our heritage beautiful yes my second one and roxy (laughs) is drinking it right now
2: (laughs) i drank all of it in like five seconds
0: (laughs) is so now i live in the land of plazas which also means there's (laughs) also plaza land um which also means there's a shit ton of um boba places so Mm -hmm. the best one in the area that i found because you know your girl did her homework (laughs) um is sunrise Tea studios
2: It's crazy because I've never heard of this place. And I like to think that I'm a boba connoisseur. You
0: are a boba connoisseur. Let yeah. me tell you, honey. But like Sunrise Tea Studios, someone was saying they just kind of popped up like, like daisies. And I agree. Um, And the, the milk that they use is fantastic. The boba that they use is hella QQ. Yeah. The flavoring that they use isn't just, it, there's no like artificiality. No, it's, it's amazing. amazing. And then Abe loves their fruit frosties. We got the Hokkaido milk tea, which baby, it oh is so God. fucking it is good. So Oh,
2: good. It's just like literally being read in Taiwan with the best shit.
0: Oh, yes. So I love Sunrise 2 Studios. You got to shake it 17 times. Um, Check it out. See if there's one in your area.
2: I gotta make sure that I find one in the 626 six area when yes, I go back how about you bitch hell yeah so okay so my unsolicited picks this week is um we used a company called High Desert Dwellings on Airbnb oh. for our Joshua Tree getaway <laughs> they have like 180 spots in Joshua Tree and Wait, Yucca what? Valley and they're all like designer <gasps> type like luxury I mean of course you gotta drop a little bit of dough for these places but you know what when your girl just came back from Toronto and made a paycheck you know that she better be making her dropping her money here you better get
0: that money you better spread that around you better stimulate the economy you know what I'm saying Yeah, we gotta do that it's our financial responsibility according to George Bush Jr.
2: (laughs) we gotta do that Yes, we gotta bring it all back so I highly recommend it there's always something for everybody and you know what you deserve to treat yourself like this is the first time that I like booked three nights I usually only book one or two Oh, bougie and then i'm like you have gotta
0: do the three gotta do because the, the first night's just settling in yeah the second night you're like just getting used to the bed and the pillow yes oh true 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 and the third night's like full-on relaxation
2: i used to think like oh that's like too much and then no it's not it it's ain't. like we we had a very hard time leaving
0: yeah well here's the thing you pay the cleaning fee no matter what. The True. more nights you stay there, the lower the cleaning fee is per day. A hundred percent. Look at you. math.
2: Well, how econ major. <laughs> hello. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then my second pick is I just want to share my pesto eggs <gasps> recipe with everybody. What? Thank you, TikTok. Okay, so. I love you, TikTok. I call saw, me. I know. I saw this on Food Talk. So basically, pesto eggs, instead of using oil to fry your eggs within the morning, you use pesto. <gasps> it is a game changer oh, what? it is so good so the first time i did this i used a super nutty pesto Ooh. so that it's sort of crisp up <gasps> like the nuts crisped yeah. up and then um i like to use a sourdough toast that make this into an open face sandwich so uh. i toast my sourdough bread i put arugula on <gasps> it then i pile a layer of avocado <sighs> then i pile on my pesto eggs with um, red pepper flakes. Finish it off with shavings of Parmesan cheese. Uh, you are welcome, bitches. Oh my God, thank you. You will be addicted.
0: Oh my God, I, I'm having a foodgasm.
2: I'm glad. <laughs> I can't wait to have a foodgasm later because uh, Prisca is, uh, we're going to be having kai that we, she made.
0: We made kai and and Abe has another food surprise for you. <gasps> another food surprise. I oh can't tell you. Oh my I god. Can't tell oh my god.
2: Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. I can oh tell god. the goat oh cheese. God.
0: I can't tell you. Shut Cover up! Your ears. <laughs> okay. Wow. Well, well, you know what I haven't gotten enough of recently is school. <laughs> you know what that means? It's time for let's speak Taiwanese.
2: Taiwanese. <laughs>
0: Who's the queen of the Segway? <laughs> <laughs> we're the queens
2: of the segue, oh, wait, the of the segue. <laughs> but I you know I just feel so moved by this tenderness this warmth mm. this spaciousness and Prisca and I were talking about like how awkward it is and how socially like deprived we are and almost awkward we are yeah. about reaching out to people we love mm-hmm. you know after the pandemic because now everyone's coming out from the woodworks right so I wanted to teach everybody how to say I miss you oh. so it's going to be wa. Wa shion
0: shori li Wa shori wo xiang ni wo xiang ni wa shion li Eddie Huber
2: wa shori
0: Wa shion li
2: Yeah it's like it's like how are you i miss you right <gasps> and then if you want to say i really miss
0: <laughs> you
2: and that's when i drive over and i'm like okay i'm staying at your house for a few days bitch
0: she was literally in the, in the car over here and i'm like i miss you she's like i'm i'm co- i'm coming to your house <laughs> you was just like, i just need me. an update i I, just, I miss you checking in hello Like if Abe calls me 5 minutes late, I'm like, he's dead. He's definitely dead. <laughs> I'm just like, beep, beep I'm 5 minutes yeah. away. It's all good. Um so that's uh, watch your Yes, watch thank your you. Surely. Oh, Washyoli. I love and and speaking of people that we miss, yeah. we just want to shout out some people that have been so supportive of our show and supported us financially. You don't know how much it means to us. Yeah. Um because you know, Rox and I, we started this kind of as just a passion project and it's something we love doing but what we what maybe you don't see and we'd never brag about is each episode if it's an hour and a half of content the ratio is about 12 to 14 hours of work you know and that's because we love it and we want to pour everything that we have into it and so when people financially support us it's kind of just saying we love what you're doing keep going you know so we want to shout out shana and andrew i'm not going to give last names here but Shayna and andrew b um mario Melly l um <laughs> thank you for donating to Ooh, us we love you we love you thank, thank you <laughs> honestly it means the world it really it really does like even um, if it's
2: like five dollars like we get super touched
0: it, it just makes us fucking emotional and yes. not only did mario donate but he also sent over two Hornigo buttons yeah and if you haven't seen on our social media no one's messaged us but <laughs> <laughs> we'd like to give them away we'd like to give them away so if you want to send us a voice note about an episode that really struck a chord with you, meant something to you, shoot us that voice note to hello at twohornygoats or if you know Roxy and I, you can text it to us. It's yeah, fine. yeah,
2: we'll do a giveaway yes. to spread Mario's love because yes. Mario, we love you so much. We
0: love you. And just remember you can always give us
2: money. You always can by heading to twohornygoats.com and hitting support Smart us.
0: Support us. I
2: mean, is your bank account too full? And also remember, if you donate five dollars, <laughs> we'll make out with you. We'll make out or, with you, or you could say no to that too. Yeah, that's okay too. It's,
0: it's okay. <laughs> oh, and if you're fully vaccinated, oh yeah, yeah, five dollars yeah, fully vaxed, then we'll is make the out. Yes. yes, you don't have 100%. to be fully vaxxed to give, but we would like to make out with you only if you are fully vaxxed. So yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, get vaxxed, peeps. Thanks to all of y'all for listening. We love all of you. Yay. So. Have a horny week.
0: Our lovely goatees. And, and remember,
2: remember, stay horny. Give
0: your money. And there is no This podcast is hosted by Roxy and Prisca. Me. Engineered by Abraham Kim at the Shire Studios. So Music by Abraham Kim. Artwork by Connie Yen. Please She's visit lovely, us at 2hornygoats.com. Have thoughts or questions for us? It's Email lovely. us at hello at 2hornygoats.com. Just
1: love me I want hey, to be with you just hey love. I want to be with, I wanna be love with love you I want to be with you hey I want to be with you I want to be with you just love me If I didn't ride play on not would you still love me If I made up my mind it work would you still love me Keep a and I rather you trust me than to love me Keep it a whole one hunt, don't got you I got nothing. Knock it out twice, I'm with it Only for the night, I'm kidding Only for life, you're a homie for life You're a homie for life, let's get it Hit that shoulder lean I know what coming over mean Backstroke oversee I know what you need Already on ten, our money coming all Feeling go out, this feeling don't drought This party won't end, hey If I didn't ride blade on curb Would you still love me? If I made up my mind at work, would you still love me? Keep it a hundred, I'd rather you trust me than to love me Keep it a whole one hunt, don't got you, I got nothing Give me a run for my money And there is nobody, no one to outrun me So give me a run for my money Sipping bubbly, feeling lovely Living lovely just love me. I wanna be with you. Ay, I wanna be with I wanna be with you. Ay, I, wanna be with. I wanna be with you. Ay, I just love I'm on the way. We ain't got no time to waste. Popping your gum on the way. Am I in the way? I don't wanna pressure you none. I want your blessing today. Oh, by the way, oh by the way. Pick up the phone for me, babe Damn it, we jamming. bad attitude for your nanny Curbs in your hips from your mammy Remember Gardena, I took the studio camera I know top will be mad at me I had to do it, I want your body of music I bought the big one to prove it Look what you made, told you that I'm on the way I'm like an exit away, yeah If I didn't ride blade on curb, would you still love me? If I made up my mind at work, would you still love me? Keep it a and I'd rather you trust me than to love me Keep it all on one hand, don't got you, I got nothing a for my money There is nobody, no one to outrun me So give me a run for my money Sipping bubbly, feeling lovely Living lovely Just love just love me, just love, love, love me, just love me.